It is another edition of the Chair Shop Podcast uh, back again. Uh, we are on the cusp of lockdown two, baby. TNA lockdown 2020 part two. Um, oh, that fella died recently, though. Did we? Did we talk about that on the show? Actually, I can't remember. Did we talk about the passing of? I don't of, think. I don't think we did. Of the great, uh, not that Barry Scott, not the Silly Bang Bar- Barry Scott. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. The great, the great uh, TNA uh, uh, voice announcer man, circa 06 through like, uh, he was there until like 2015 or something. Yeah, he passed away. Uh, bless him. So I don't know why he's getting brought up here in my in my stupid lockdown joke. But God rest him. He was a great talent. Uh, yes, we are. Um, uh, we here in the Republic of Ireland, we're on the cusp of our second significant lockdown, so that's very good. But don't worry about that, folks. We're not going to talk too much about that because we've got a, a jam-packed show to get into with various guffs, various things to chit-chat about. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, by the way, Barry, of course. As always, here with me is Joe Towner and Paul Griffin. How are we doing, lads? Yeah, thank you, Barry. Yeah. Uh, how has life been for you gents this week because I have been quite poorly Uh, the reason we're doing this on a Monday is because for like so like last week I had the old ear infection which is not which is not a barrel of laughs I can say that that was probably the most miserable uh, I've been with an illness in quite some time and then I I went back to work last week and it's whatever and my you know my ear my uh Ears were fine, you know, hearing still a little bit low because they need a bit of a clean. And I was like, all right, I feel good. And then legitimately, like Friday evening after I kind of clocked out of work, I was like, oh, stomach doesn't feel too good. Well, you know, I just eat shit all the time. So I was like, I assume I've just eaten something a bit dodgy. Um, Anyway, end of that evening, I uh, popped a blood vessel in my eye from retching so much uh, while, while while vomiting up in the toilet. Um, uh, <laughs> one of the most unpleasant vomit experiences I've ever had. And then back into my room, and my girlfriend said, did you do something to your eye? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you, your eye is like half red. I was like, I, I must have <laughs> just been retching so much. And then I spent the entire weekend sort of uh, shivering, uh, wrapping myself up in a duvet, complaining that it was too cold, then uh, stomping out of bed, complaining that it was too warm, turning off all the heating again, uh, and then just intermittently running to the toilet and shitting. Um, Just on a loop. That was the entirety of my weekend. And I was kind of like, after being sick last weekend, I was sick like, like last weekend with, with the ear, but I had to, I had to, uh, uh, meet a friend of mine. And I was like, oh, like in pain, but still having to show face at a thing and just super miserable. Really looking forward to this weekend to just be, and I was going to sit on the couch to do fucking nothing. And I was going to catch up on this TV show and power through this game. I wanted to play and all this other stuff. And I, you know, couldn't do much of anything because I was in that kind of state where I just sort of needed to sort of be on the couch with something kind of on in the background that I wasn't really paying attention to. Uh, so I, you know, rewatched I'm Alan Partridge um, while, while shaking. Um, so that was my life golf lads. And hence we're here uh, on a Monday evening. Uh, I feel better now, but uh, two weekends in a row there, I've been a write off. So, uh, here's hoping next weekend. I don't know. My legs don't stop working. Um, what about you, boys? What have you been up to? Uh, well, you've you're not the only person who's had um, 
infections and illnesses this week. Oh, no. um, uh, I, I was woken up in the middle of the night. I won't go into the details because it's concerns uh, my girlfriend and it's none of your motherfucker's business. <laughs> but um, she woke me up complaining that she had a uh, a pain in her leg, right? And uh, <laughs> you were kicking out. <laughs> no, but at that moment, I uh, said, "Never mind the pain in your leg." Sorry, I don't mean to up up uh, stage your uh, your leg here, but uh, I can't see out of my eye. <laughs> Jeez. Um, and I, and it was in, in, in intense stingy pain, uh, so I had a big dirty eye infection for about four days. Um, like I said, went to sleep with it completely fine, uh, and then just two a.m. My eye was really sore. Uh, woke up in the morning, then in the same situation. So I went up and got some uh, drop skis for it. Yeah, the old pharmacy. And uh, then, you know, slowly uh, but surely it got better from then. Um, I got a photo of it with a, a big bubble of water on my eye. Like, Ugh. you know the way you have a big teardrop, right? But the teardrops come from the ducts. This is like right in the center of my eye, uh, about the size of my pupil. Mm. Um, it was very, very uncomfortable. But now I'm fine. Um as shown by my return to the gym, because I did have to uh, take a day off going to the gym due to the old uh, contagious eye infection. Um, back to the gym today. Uh, my legs are very sore now, doing lunges and wall sits and all that crack. Um, what else happened this week? Yes, uh, the footy this uh, yesterday specifically. Oh, I heard it was great. It was tremendous, even though United lost 6-1. Let's not talk too much about that. Um, there were two games with a combined 16 goals, which is not something you see too mm. often. A 6-1 followed by a 7-2 <laughs> in um, consecutive games. But most importantly, right, you might recall a few weeks ago, uh, Al Paul Griffin put a little free bet on Mohamed Salat score a hat-trick and won 70 euro um well my one man stand against dodgy betting company paddy power has continued because i put my free bet on harry kane to score two or more goals against manchester united uh so thanks uh paddy i'll have 55 more of your euros for free thank you very much um so I'm interested to see how I get on by the end of the season using only free bets. Uh, see how much money I can win off uh, off Paddy Power. 125 euros so far. Clean them out, mate. Clean them out. Uh, free bets. Yeah, they'll be bankrupt. That's by, good. Uh, You'll rid the world of a, of, of a cancerous uh, uh, entity. So you're, do you're doing good work. <laughs> Doesn't hurt that me wallet is a bit heavier than it was yesterday. No, nobody should be paid for your service. I mean, come on. Um, so that was very nice I that's the first time in uh, recorded history that I performed a knee slide celebration after United <laughs> needed a goal um, I actually got a big like a burn mark on my oh. knee after it but it was worth it 55 Europeans thank you very much very nice. um, no obviously very disappointing from a Man United point of view but I, 
from from watching the footy, uh, two quite incredible games. Uh, today is transfer deadline day, of course, so I'm keeping an eye on Twitter. But uh, it seems like our haphazard throw shite against the wall strategy <laughs> is working exactly as expected. Um, so instead of signing players that we actually need, we're going to sign a 33-year-old centre forward and uh, and not any of the players we need. So that's typical Man United uh, shite. Um, speaking of Man United, I've uh, started reading books lately. So books are my new thing. As you oh. might recall, uh, recently I bought a bottleload of Zelda books. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I'm reading at the moment a Man United book, which was oh. bought for me for my birthday. Uh, it's called King Eric, Portrait of the Artist Who Changed English Football. Of course, it's like an Eric Cantona biography uh, written by Wayne Barton, who's a, a Manchester-based journalist, I believe. That's quite fun because, you know, Cantona, especially in his younger mm. days, quite a mad character. Um, most of the paragraphs are about... Uh, how he fought some lad who then got moved to another club where he <laughs> drop kicked some <laughs> other lad and then got moved to another club and he punched the director and yeah he sent packing out of each of the territories you know that's the uh, as all the legends would be <laughs> uh, so that's very good um i'm still quite early into that but i'm enjoying it i did finish reading uh one of the zelda books that i had bought which i really enjoyed uh it's called legends of localization it's oh series, yes, yeah. Uh, a series of two two books so far. Uh, one is Legend of Zelda. The other one is Earthbound, uh, about the localization process of these old NES games. Uh, very very good book. Uh, one chapter in particular was really great. Is that it had um, audio differences. Of course, it's very difficult to explain audio differences in a book. So it has a QR code that takes you to a YouTube video with all the sound clips. So you can listen as you read along. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, really, really fun book. If I was to nitpick, I would say for what you get, it's maybe a little on the expensive side, but it's a, it's also a very niche book. Um, that was probably only a very small number of them published. So, you know, it, it is a little bit, not exclusive necessarily, but, you know, you're going to pay a little bit of a premium because it's so exceptionally neat. But um, really, really enjoyed that. That's gone back on the shelf now, uh, next to its Zelda book brothers. Um, I have another one, two, two arriving that I'm looking forward to getting. Nice. And I, I have one that's arrived that I, I, I'm going to read after the Cantona book, which is um, it's. Well, let me look up the name of it. Actually, um, it sounds really, really fucking arsy but um one thing that i don't want to have is just exclusively like art books yeah i want to have books that are coming from like a slightly different angle whether it's about the development of the game Mm. or like the one here i bought is um it's called the psychology of zelda Mm. Uh, and it's about why the games are developed the way they are and i think that's like a, a clever um approach to take rather than just being like a very bland then they made this game then they made this game it's about like why the plots of the games are the way they are and why certain elements get used and stuff like that so i'm very much looking forward uh to reading that that that, that's on amazon for like eight euro uh quite a thick little paperback 
but I'm looking forward to that. Um, and that's all I got up to this week. Oh, we had um, obviously um, Natty has uh, what's blossoming into a very successful uh, dog doggy daycare business that we run out of the house here. Um, we had a dog today that you would have to see to believe. One of the cutest dogs <laughs> of all time. A Sit down for this one. Husky Palm Mix. <laughs> ah, it's a little ball of fluff. This is a little tiny husky. Oh, oh it was great. Like, what a, what a gig. <laughs> I tell you, there are certainly perks. Have you... Uh, I. I actually can't remember. I feel like you, you have. Did you read uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels? No. I think you'd enjoy it. It's, it's, yeah, I think you'd enjoy it. Um, it's a very, it's very, well, not very, but it's, it's, some of the chapters are very personal. Uh, it's, it's a book, basically, it's, a, it's like a, a, comp, uh, um, a collection of stories of sort of how games got made by, by Jason Schreier, and it's kind of like, um, uh, uh, a, lo- a lot of them are very kind of uh, how did this thing, you know, barely get across the line is kind of the, the through line of most of them. It's like Uncharted 4 is on there. It, it talks through the ups and downs of the change in management during that. Uh, Stardew Valley about how this, this one guy just essentially just worked around the clock for months on end just to make his to make his own dream game. I, th- I think you would enjoy it because it's it, it is because the, the Uncharted stuff is very big level game dev politics and then there's other chapters that are kind of here's this guy who just personally wanted to make this thing you know yeah i mean that although i i love my zelda books and i like to collect those as my own little thing uh, i do prefer that kind of viewpoint and yeah that, that does sound very interesting yeah. and plus it's it's like every it's a, a chapter a game so it's very breezy do you know what i mean it's not uh, it's a very easy read um yeah i think i think you'd enjoy that someone has to um write a book about how naughty dog ruined games by introducing that mechanic where you walk slowly through a crowd yeah yeah <laughs> when that spider-man miles morales uh trailer showed up recently and you're just walking it's like look at all the work people did on these animations that are in the background that you'll probably miss while you slowly walk by and that was the be- just beginning that was the beginning of their big reveal it's like it's spider-man we want to see the swigging that's all we want to see it's tried <laughs> and tested <laughs> uh yeah god damn naughty dog but uh, actually, in, in in the vein of your your your, your many art book purchases, I, I did make a, a, a something of a uh, probably overpriced, but a, a, an indulgent gaming purchase. Uh, uh, Naughty Dog had their sort of Last of Us Day uh, thing, which yes. is kind of their their, their 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 annual thing, which everyone always gets excited for news about, like a sequel or the TV show, or whatever. It's always like an overpriced bougie merch drop where it's like a. 200 quid hoodie or a statue or whatever and i've never bought anything from it but i bought uh, the vinyl of the soundtrack of the sequel um which is a good soundtrack but mainly it's they, they released these two really really beautiful posters it was like one of abby one of ellie but they were 60 us dollars each and they were obviously a set and it was kind of like i i i would feel I would constantly feel bad looking at one if I bought them and I could not justify buying two. But the soundtrack basically had 
both the the one image as the front cover and one image as the back. And I was like, all right. And that, that was like 40 quid. And I was like, all right, that's that's that, that'll be my little my little super fan purchase of the of the month. It's, it's also uh, we do have a record player in the flat, so I was like, I might actually use it. Um, it's very cool. It's not coming until next year, but the artwork is is beautiful on it. So I that was my my purchase of the of, of the month. I do love those little purchases that are for nobody but yourself. Like no Absolutely. one is ever going to come over and look at my Zelda books. They're purely <laughs> for me. Um, and especially if you can find on eBay or something uh, like a good deal on one of those, there is no more satisfying a feeling in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's, it's, it's great. Um, yeah. So uh, what about yourself, Joe on the old life golf? Um, it was good. I um, left my old job and started a new job today. Mm. Um, so that was Ooh, thing, moving yeah. and shaking, moving and shaking. Um, so that's, it was interesting starting a new job <clears throat> while well, still under you know lockdown, working from home. Um, I think it's a lot better in a way because when when you first start a job, you don't have that much to do at first because you're kind of doing the induction and onboarding yeah. and that kind of stuff. There's that first day of schoolness to yeah. it as well. And you just sort of sit around reading things and filling out forms, but you still want to try and look busy because you don't want to look like you sat there on your first day doing fuck all. But yeah. when you're at home, it doesn't really matter. You can just do whatever you need to do and not worry about it. So it was, it was quite good. Um, yeah, and leaving, leaving the last job was... Uh, well, it wasn't that sad, to be honest. Um, I got a nice gift out of it. Uh, my, my fellow teammates bought me a pro controller for my Nintendo Switch. Um, Excellent. I only had to mention it about seven times. So <laughs> they knew what I wanted, so that was good. Uh, they also got me a little voucher for the Nintendo store for another 20 quid on top. So, you know. Oh! Thanking, thanking me, me lucky stars for that one. Um, that was good, yeah. So I started the new job. Um yeah, just gonna settle in, see where that takes me. But that's that's mainly been the the news this past week. That's a that's a nice controller. I like that controller. Oh, it's yes. very nice. Very so very nice. lovely hand feel. Oh yeah, especially the joysticks compared with the the Joy Cons. They feel very kind of plasticky and quite like a like a toy sort of thing. Yeah, Whereas I do have a soft spot for the dog face controller but definitely the, the pro controller is the superior mm. option i don't have one myself but I've, i have used one and it is yeah. the way to go yeah they're uh they are good stuff good gift as well because they're uh, not cheap now you know nintendo no. just just yeah. slapping huge figures on everything um yeah uh so that's the the life of we jump in on the subject so we jump in on the old game golf because there's actually been a lot of switching this week um uh, uh for ourselves uh, 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 Paul, uh, I, uh, I have you played that new free Mario Thirty Five thing they put out? I have. Uh, Joe, have you seen this? Wait, what's this? So this is the thing they put out just like a couple of weeks ago for the Mario anniversary. Basically, it's like Tetris Ninety Nine. Basically, you, you it's free if you have Nintendo uh, online. Yeah. You play, you're playing Mario with thirty four other players at the same time. Yeah. Um, and basically, when you jump on enemies, you send them to other players' screens and stuff like that. And it's kind of when you die, you're out, and it's the last person surviving wins. It's a little battle royale thing. It's cute. It's free. It's it's it's. Uh, it's another one of these weird things where they're putting it up for six months and they said they're taking it down in March. I don't even want to 
try to understand what the, the, the process is for that, but whatever. Um, I messed around with it. I, I loved Tetris 99. I, I don't see myself sinking loads of hours into this, but it's a cool little thing that they threw up for free. I, I thought it was all right. Yeah, I it, it's Super Mario Bros. Uh, one. Bros. Yeah. So that's not necessarily a game that I ever had a huge connection to. No. Um, and I and because of that, uh, not a game that I'm particularly good at. Because um, when it comes to these platformers, um, knowing the levels like the back of your hand mm-hmm. certainly helps. That's why I'm good at Mario Kart, for example. Not because I'm a skilled player. I just I know the levels so much. I know yeah. exactly when to turn and stuff. Uh, I don't know the levels of Mario Bros because I never really played it that much. Um, uh, and while there seems to be some strategy to it in terms of like sending enemies to specific players to overwhelm them rather than sending mm-hmm. it randomly, um, I kind of feel the same as you. It's like it's it's a fun distraction, but it's not something I would pour uh, hours into. I just feel like it it's not as conducive. Uh, to the format as Tetris is, whereas Tetris, I, I feel like maybe I'm just getting old, but I feel like I cannot keep my eye on the time and play Mario and target other players. Uh, so I don't think I'll be sticking with it. But like, yeah, it's, it's it's a fun thing they put out for the anniversary. Um, uh, I I'm toying around with some other stuff that I mentioned in the show previously. Still playing Hades. Uh, Spirit Fairer, thumbs up on all of them. Uh, I fired up in my in my illness because I wanted something kind of easy and lighthearted to play. I started the most recent Paper Mario game. Obviously, Paul's been playing a lot of Paper Mario as discussed. Yeah, I'm I'm on the previous one. Yeah, so, so you're, still you're you're one you're one away from from myself. So I, I fired that up. Uh, the Origami King on on Switch. I'm enjoying it. I'm about two hours in. Um, it's it looks great. It sounds great. The writing is 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 uh, sort of for, for for a Mario game. It's kind of it's clever and it's sharp and it's it's surprisingly uh, uh, enjoyable. And it's an easy little playthrough. It's it's um uh, it's fun. But I I, I will say that I the the the, the combat. I, I'm kind of glad it's not a massive part of the game. At least from what I've seen so far, because it doesn't do a whole lot for me. It's turn based, but it's not deep or any it's not real deal turn-based you know you're playing a final fantasy game here you gotta you gotta you know use your items and 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 your buffs and your debuffs it's fairly rudimentary stuff uh but it's fine because it's it, it i i haven't seen a whole lot of it and it seems like a lot of the charm of the game is kind of wandering around doing little uh environmental puzzles and ch- interacting with the characters it's a it's a bit of an adventure game as much as anything else and uh, yeah no, if you want Final Fantasy uh, style battles, that that's what the first two Paper Mario's are and haven't been since then. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, I I don't think I do want that. I I think this is actually kind of a uh, it, the 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 combat isn't super stimulating to me, but I also yeah. don't know if I necessarily want anything more challenging. So I I think this is kind of fine for what it is. I'm well, kind of, I'm kind of liking this as just a cute little fun thing to just play with. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm definitely by no means a Final Fantasy fan. Uh, and I'm by no means even a turn-based RPG fan. I, the only uh, examples that I've, I've enjoyed, because I've tried Final Fantasy, I can't, can't get into it. Um, yeah. I've been the Paper Mario series and um, South Park Stick of Truth. Um, apart from that, I don't really enjoy them. But um, they, they, they do it in a more kind of accessible way. Whereas like when I think Final Fantasy, I think of like bland... Um, selection screens and stuff like that. Mm. Like, yeah, I just don't like don't like it. But um, 
I although I haven't touched on Origami King yet, what I've seen of it, uh, it's it seems to feel very similar to the last two specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sticker Star and Color Splash, they all have the kind of same feel to them. Uh, so I'm enjoying to, uh, or I'm enjoying Color Splash, and I'm looking forward to Origami King. Um. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, that's what I've been playing there. I also tried out uh, something on the old PC, the old personal computer, uh, Art of Rally, which is it's kind of exactly what the name implies. It's sort of an artsy indie rally racing game. Um, it's got a, a, a kind of a techno-ish um, soundtrack, uh, a minimalist art design, and the view is kind of isometric, so it's not quite like a Micro Machines game from back in the day, but it's a very kind of pulled out, you're, you're in the sky looking down at your car view. Uh, but when you actually pick up the controller, it's, I would say it's super difficult, but it's a, it's a decently challenging uh, rally racing game. It's, 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 uh, it's got somewhat realistic controls. It's an interesting, weird little thing. I, I don't know if it's necessarily my cup of tea. Weirdly enough, even though the presentation is like a big appeal of it, I, I think you kind of have to be into racing games to like it because it's, I, I looked at it and I'd heard good things about it and I kind of assumed it would be a bit arcadier, but it kind of seems like to actually get some value out of it, you have to actually want to ride around a course pulling tight corners and getting good lines in, in a solo race you're not even racing against other people um but it's 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 cool it's got a sense of style to it um and i got it for like eight quid on the epic store so it, it's it's a, it's an interesting little thing um and i think it's coming to consoles as well on a soon but uh other than that yeah that's those are my those are my games for the week is there anything else other than what we discussed there uh that you've been playing well we've got super mario odyssey to discuss barry Oh, yes, we've got an Odyssey tech-in. Yes, we've got I, Mario. Um, yeah, I, last week, as we discussed, I was down to eight moons. Um, I got through about probably five or six of them pretty quickly. Um, the last two that I had remaining were the Wooded Kingdom uh, Master Cup race, um, which was fucking awful because the little gold bastard does a double... <laughs> A long jump, cap jump over this huge gap. Yeah, up towards the end. And if you can't, basically, if you can't hit that jump, then you've got no chance of winning because he's miles ahead. Yeah. Basically, it took, it took me like two hours of practicing that jump um, just to get it right. Eventually, I did get it. I just, How satisfied were you when you got it? That you can't believe your luck. It's like <laughs> when you make it across and you're like, oh shit, quick, finish, finish, finish. For the one, <laughs> catch me. Yeah, I think luckily the time I'd got it, I'd also. Um, hit the rest of the course really well, so I was like a couple of seconds ahead. Yeah, so I was. I had plenty of time, so that that was good. And then the final one that I saved for the end was the um, the darker side of the moon. Um, yeah, which is a wonderful level. It's a it's a motherfucker of a level, but it's also quite wonderful um, because it's got that kind of do or die nature of the you know the early Mario games, like no save points, no checkpoints, mm. get to the end or fuck off. You know? <laughs> The only difference being that it's such a long level. It's about 15 minutes to get through the whole thing. Uh, it's so long. Um, but I quite enjoyed that, and that was a very satisfying ending as well. So I've done that. I did all the kind of little extra bits that you can do within the game. So I think I've pretty much 100%ed it as, as much as you can do that now. Um, I'm just kind of playing around with Luigi's balloons. Oh, hello. There's an actress there to a bishop. Um, <laughs> there's, certain, there's certain challenges that 
that you can do in that, like how many balloons you get, the value of balloons, etc. So I'm just playing that, but I'm, I'm kind of done with it. So I might move on to, to Mario uh, 35, just as a little kind of, um, you know, in between before I get back onto the um, Sunshine or Galaxy or 64, one of those games. Um, but yeah, yeah, great, great game. I absolutely loved it. Don't want to stop playing it because it's such a fun world um, to inhabit. Yeah, great, great. I mean, you could leave it, leave it a year and revisit it. You know, I think so. I think so. I think it'd be easier as well because I'll have the muscle memory of all the yeah. difficult jumps and all that. Because with something like that, the uh, you know the immediate reaction is, "I'll oh, play it again." Yeah, I think I must you'd enjoy it more if you left a little while because then you have also the uh, remembering bits that you forgot. You know, oh, yeah. yeah this like I haven't played it at all since I completed it, um, and to be honest, I'm I'm turned off a little bit by fuck. I don't want to do that volleyball game again. <laughs> Certain mood, like okay, maybe if I went and played again, I wouldn't hundred percent necessarily, but um, I would like to play it again because I absolutely love that game. Um, I'm going back to where 3D Mario all began. No, I, I still haven't bought the collection, but I've been playing Super Mario 64 the way God intended. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say <laughs> on a stolen ROM. <laughs> um, on the Nintendo 64 with the Nintendo 64 controller. Um, which I got used to pretty quickly, actually. That controller is horrible. But... Um, once you play a couple of stars, you're you're back in. I, I think I think men of a certain age, ours specifically, <laughs> uh, I'd imagine it's like riding a bike. You pick it up and you're like, ah, yes, like because yeah. there there were so many hours, uh, you know, between Mario sixty four, Goldeneye, and No Mercy. I feel like my hands would just naturally form into those grooves. Yeah. So I started playing it in the week. I probably played it for about six or seven hours. Maybe I'm under underestimating how much we played it, but it, feel, it doesn't feel like I've played it that much. I have 67 stars Ooh. of the 120, so I'm over halfway through it. That's a, I, that's a lot. I have never, in my in recent years, I, I've like jumped back into Mario on an emulator every now and then. Like, ah, this is fun. And then I, I kind of lose interest after like 10. Mm. Yeah, I've gotten every star in the first seven levels. Wow. Um, which is the, the six stars and then the toughest star on every level, the hundred coin star. Um, which, to give you an example of how difficult that is, um, I'm currently playing the, the toughest level in the game, in my opinion, which is Shifting Sandlands, which is like the desert pyramid level um because the the level is just covered in quicksand that if you if you touch it's you're dead it's, you can't jump out of it as soon as you touch it it's a, a one hit death basically um i had collected 99 coins and then fell into quicksand <laughs> um which and if that happens you start again there again there's no checkpoint where you start at 50 or anything no um so I will redo that at some stage. Not today, but maybe tomorrow. Um, yeah. Uh, it's I, I'm still at the stage of the game that I've, I've played it enough that I remember how to do basically all the stars. 
the further I get in, the less and less I will remember because I've only ever 100%ed Mario 64 once, um, which was on an emulator with a stolen ROM, which is why I do want to complete it and say I I have completed it on the Nintendo 64 and have my little save on it. Um, What makes it nice is that you know, Mario 64 uh, originally released uh, is the resolution of, of the game is two, 240p. Wow. Uh, so it's not a particularly nice looking game, especially when you blow it up on a big 40 inch TV. But I'm using a HDMI adapter for my N64. So I do have it upscaled somewhat. Um, I'm playing it in 720p, which makes it a little bit easier to play on a modern tv it looks slightly better it does have that kind of interlacing that you can yeah kind of see but it, it looks much better than it would if i was playing just with the uh the scart cable or the you know the old red white and yellow um so that's nice um and that's pretty much all i've been playing this week so unfortunately ghost of tsushima and um color splash have kind of taken a backseat because what started as a little itch of seeing all these super mario videos everywhere going oh i might dip my toe in 67 stars later i'm still playing yeah um, it's a fantastic game i mean needless to say that the level design uh is so clever especially you know you realize now when you go back that the levels are actually very very small uh but there's so much to do in these tiny levels uh, it's really, really clever. And to think that it's like the pioneer of 3D platforming uh, and all that comes with it. And although the camera is very annoying, um, I don't think it's quite the deal breaker that I thought it was going to be going back in. Uh, it's perfectly manageable. You know, it, it's it, it's very stubborn and often it won't go the way you want it to go. It just refuses to go. But um, I've not like died because of the camera or it's not yeah. really impeded the gameplay much sometimes um the camera will kind of swing round as you go in kind of a semicircular motion which will which does make it hard to go across then a bridge for example because camera moving affects your movement because it's relative to the way the camera is facing but um like i said i've not been frustrated or killed because of the camera so uh, i can't complain about that also one thing that i'm good at for the first time in the game i was never good at before is using the the red cap which is let's mario fly basically i was never never able to control that properly but now i can (laughs) it's kind of like in um do you know in mario world when you get the cape yeah, I could never I was never able to control I, that. I, to this day, I don't get the cape. I just don't get it. No, last time I played, I worked it out, and then suddenly it's real easy. It's mm. the same thing with the, the winged cap in 64. Um, so, uh, Joe, I know you have the game. Barry, if you do end up getting it at some stage, um, Mario 64, definitely worth a revisit. And, you know, there is a little part of me that does think, I wish I was playing a proper upscaled version of this instead of my... Mm hack job yeah it's better but it's not ideal um i do think i will continue once i beat 64 i will continue my journey through 100 percent sunshine and i'll 100 percent galaxy again i do really want to play galaxy but i'm I'm hoping when they pull this shit down in march that what they're going to do is sell them piecemeal 
because um, I will just I'll just get Galaxy at that point. Because um, as I mentioned there, I, like I have dived back into sixty four a million times in the last fifteen years. I've you know I played the DS version. I've uh, you know put a couple hours. I feel like I put a couple hours into it on an emulator every year or so. Do you know what I mean? Like oh yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's still good. And then I just kind of move on. Um, yeah. Whereas Galaxy, I never played, so I gotta. Gotta, gotta, Galaxy is brilliant. Got, You'd be surprised to hear. Gotta write that wrong at some stage. Uh, if you liked Odyssey specifically, you will love Galaxy. Yeah, simple, I, I, simple as that. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain I would. I'm certain I would. Um, yeah. Uh, is that all our games of the week? It is. Uh, righty. Uh, we can jump in to Teleguff. Who wants to kick off the old Teleguff? Just, just one for me. So Michelle and I have been rewatching uh, Thirty Rock. Uh, just some, just do, something do, to do, 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 do. Um Another one of those shows where you forget how good it is until you go back and watch, and you're like, mm. "Oh, this is really good." And uh, Tracy Jordan's hilarious, uh, and Alec Baldwin is fantastic. Um, yeah, full of full of great gags. So uh, not too much to say on that one. It's good. Watch it Absolutely. again. Watch it again. It's funny. Funny shit. Uh, what about you, Paul? Um, I'm still on that football documentary kick. Mm-hmm. So I I went from episode two of Sunderland Till I Die to having completed both seasons in two days. Mm. Uh, I just absolutely blitzed through it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely enjoyed season... I definitely enjoyed both seasons. Um, season two obviously has a little different slant to it when you get the new owners in um one of whom we, we i think we've talked about before on the show who's uh kind of part david brent part barry from eastenders <laughs> um, he, he's he's an odd one um yeah really really enjoyed it i like specifically that they although they kind of overdo it at points a little bit but i did like the the rooting the series in like the people, the fans, mm. and how they frame Sunderland as like this, you know, post-industrial poverty, basically, mm. um, and how how important the club is to the fans. Because in the Tottenham um, series, which I've forgotten the name of now, um, you don't get any of that. It's it, it's really really centered on the first team. So I like that Sunderland. Uh, the Sunderland documentary took a bit more of a broad. Uh, look at the club from from the point of view of the fans. I thought that was very nice. Especially, my favorite character in this series was um, the the little chef lady, who's like, "Oh, we won a game. I had an extra fun." Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah. And then when she's like, um, when is a Chris Coleman gets the sack and he mm. sends her the nice like text message. Ah, oh, lovely. Mm-hmm. Um. I would say Sunderland Until I Die is the definitely the, the best of these that I've watched so far. Uh, I started watching Take Me Home, which is the Leeds United one. Um, unfortunately, I'm only two episodes in, and I, I the last episode I watched was like Tuesday, <laughs> so I, I haven't been um, you know ch- champing at the bit to, to watch that again. But uh, it's very very. Oh, aren't Leeds great? Oh, that, the manager we got, and he's brilliant. And oh, it, it's too much um, up Leeds arse mm. uh, 
to be like so rose tinted. Aunt Lee's brilliant is basically the the point of the series, um, and you know that's not as interesting a story as Sunderland dropping down a division, expecting to bounce back up and dropping down another division immediately, and all the challenges that come with that. Um, so yeah, the, the Leeds um, doc is also two seasons but the second season is only two episodes long i guess because of the covid mm-hmm. um so i only have six more episodes to watch so it's like i will watch it but um god it's so sycophantic that it, it is a tough to watch at points mm. um, it's like oh the owner is brilliant he got in the best manager in the world and the players are just great we win all the time <laughs> yes it's not not a really fun documentary to watch, which which a little bit is why I, I'm apprehensive about watching the the city one as well, the Amazon Prime one, mm. because while Tottenham, uh, the Tottenham one was interesting because it was Tottenham going through uh, a bit of a crisis, bringing in the new manager, uh, losing all their best players to injury, and dealing with that. Um, the city one, they had a pretty successful season that season. So how fun is that going to be to watch? But I will watch it. I will get around to it, and uh, and I do want to watch that new um, Anelka documentary that came out as well, uh, though that's a film, not a, a series. Mm. Um, and also, I'm back on the Twin Peaks bandwagon. Ooh, um, uh, we're up to episode thirteen now. Uh, still really, really enjoying it. I'm I'm still waiting for it to kind of get bad because I know it gets bad at a certain point after uh, David Lynch and Mark Frost kind of step away from it. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I I'm still loving it at the point it's in, and I'm I'm hoping that even after the point at which you know it's it, it reaches its Simpsons season ten point, uh, I'm hoping that I'll still enjoy it after that. And I will get season three, and I will watch season three because that's again David Lynch. Um, but Twin Peaks, yeah, big, 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 big thumbs up for Twin Peaks. Big thumbs up. That's all for me. Nice. Uh, yeah, I watch. Uh, sorry, Joe. No, son. Nice. Uh, I watched a few things here. Uh, about halfway through the Comey Rule on Now TV, oh, which which is the. Um, uh, Jeff Daniels, Brendan Gleeson thing uh, from Showtime in the States. But my main takeaway watching this was just like, I can't can't really believe they're making like a dramatization of a historical event or story this recent. It's like, it's like based around the 2016 election. It's like the, the, the term you're discussing isn't even over yet. And you've already made this thing. It's very, very weird. Anyway, it's about the the uh, former FBI director, uh, James Comey, and his kind of investigation into Hillary Clinton and then his subsequent kind of uh, dicey relationship with, with Trump when he gets elected. Uh, and it's, it, it's, it's weirdly kind of like uh, just paints Comey as this kind of really wonderful guy. And then you kind of find out it's adapted from his book. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, so it's just, it's just kind of bizarre. It's, it's, it's a weird show. It's got a, a ton of, of incredible, uh, 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 actors in it. Uh, obviously the two, the two, um, uh, uh lead actors are, are phenomenal. 
Um, it's a very weird show tonally because they have there's they they don't they don't get to the uh, uh, Comey Trump meeting until like I think the third or fourth episode. It's pretty deep in, and they and they have their first meeting there where basically uh, uh, Trump has won the, the the presidency, but he hasn't been sworn in yet, and so they're having their first meeting. And they, they they meet with their respective parties and then they excuse everyone and they have a private meeting. And, and Gleason, he does, he does a very fantastic uh, performance. And, and basically Comey is this incredibly like straight laced by the book, you know, uh, they, they, he's very much portrayed on the show. Of, remember four years ago when America was perfect, everyone, <laughs> this guy, this guy, he, he represents the simpler times and, and Trump, the guy who made everything bad, which, which was only recent. Uh, he, that's what, that's what he represents. It's very, it's very simple minded like that. So, so Co- they, they have this, this conversation where Comey is like, um, uh, explaining to him basically that that uh, they have to investigate the possible Russian involvement in the election, and then uh, uh, Gleason as Trump goes off on this very uh, Trump esque rant, full of tangents about irrelevant things and talking about how great he is. And it's a great performance, but it's it's kind of comedic. But the show is really po faced, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and I think it's just impossible to portray Trump in this way in a really stern I really want an Emmy TV show do you know what I mean like I I just think yeah. it's 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 uh, it's a real mess totally and I don't think that that I think a lot of the individual parts kind of work but it's just a real mess totally um so I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I, I might finish it out just just because I'm uh, just gonna see curious how they finish it but it seems it seems like a very simplistic uh, uh interpretation of things a very uh, uh a very um you know uh kind of cringy in some ways. Um, uh, you know, things were simpler when it was four years ago approach to things, which is a very surface level reading of things. But anyway, so yeah, halfway through that, that's on now TV or, or Showtime in the States. Uh, I started rewatching again, uh, Malcolm in the middle, uh, which got added to all four recently. And my girlfriend had not seen that before. Which I was blown away by. She said she was sick of people saying she, they couldn't believe she'd never seen it. I was like, "Well, watch it then. That's your problem. That's the mistake you're making." Um, and yeah, it's great. Uh, that first season is just tremendous, 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 tremendous. Uh, I, I would say those first two seasons in particular are, are, are really, really excellent. Two great seasons of, of sort of family sitcom. Uh, I, th- I think it's a fairly steady decline from beginning to end in terms of quality. I, I, I think it was. Uh, I, I think it went out on a whimper, which is a shame. But I think the first, you know, three or four c- series are still good, uh, and the first two are, are excellent. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're nearly finished the first one, and it's it's just great. It's just so it's just just so great, so so funny, so creative. But also, it's kind of like it it sort of doubled down on what The Simpsons was initially doing in the nineties, which was kind of bucking that idea of the all American family. And like this is even more so on that. It's like they're they're so dysfunctional but also still ultimately portrayed as you know decent people and good people and and loving in their own way it's great it's really really great i'm so i'm so glad it's it's available to 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 watch because it's it's held up very well uh and the other thing i started since it is the old uh, spooky season i uh subscribed to shutter which is the uh the horror only streaming service um and 
I started watching this show called Cursed Films, which is basically a uh, series of half-hour documentaries about the troubled production or, you know, the supposedly cursed production of certain films. And uh, each episode is a unique film. So episode one is about The Exorcist. And it was mostly pretty good. They had some good talking head interviews. They spoke to Linda Blair. You know, they spoke to a number of people who were involved in the production. And it was all very good. They had, you know, newsreel footage at the time of people freaking out about the movie and all this other stuff. What what was kind of weird was that as, as documentaries like this tend to do, they decided to interview some real exorcists, quote-unquote real exorcists. <laughs> um, and that... They, they were they were doing that through a very cynical lens because it was kind of the implication of how it really looks like they are dealing with very uh, uh, ill people, but they kind of talked about how uh, even if they don't realize they're doing it, pop culture can often seep into people, and they kind of talked about how there's been a huge uptick in exorcisms since The Exorcist came out, and a lot of them look like The Exorcist um, uh, and all that. But uh, one of the exorcists they interviewed was so completely serious and so humorless in his job and just so playing it completely straight, which was at least interesting. And um, yeah, it was good. It was um, uh, it was a solid first episode, and I'm looking forward to checking out the rest of the series throughout the month. Uh, some of the other episodes, they've got The Shining on there, I think, The Omen. You know, all the kind of a lot of the famous horror classics that have supposedly troubled productions or uh, cursed. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's what I've been watching this month, um, or this month, this week. I've been watching it this week. I know I haven't been on the show in a while, um, but that's what I've been watching. We uh, we got any movies to talk about? Uh, I, uh, yeah, I absolutely. I got a couple. I got a couple. Watched um, the old Toy Story last night. The uh, the first one. Um, I think you reviewed that not too long ago, Barry. Did you yeah, I did indeed. Yeah, okay. the old tiz stiz. I believe you you buried it a little bit. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I said. I think I believe I said it was a timeless classic. I may have said it. It aged a bit uh, uh, visually, uh, which I, which I stand by. But I, it's, it's still a classic, absolutely. Sid's dog. I think we brought up. We did example. bring up Sid's dog. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fair enough, it's not the same as the current Pixar, but I think it, it still looks really good. I think, you know, even look at it now, and you forget how kind of simple that first story is, because for me, at least, all, the, all of the different movies kind of merge into one a little bit. You forget how simple that first one is. It's just about Buzz showing up. It's a birthday party. He goes missing. There's a dog. And it all ends happily in the end. You know, it's, it's a really simple... There is a dog. There is a dog. <laughs> a dog happens. dog and a point. boy. And then it all ends, and it's it's very very nice. Um, yeah, still a fun movie. Um, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Also watched uh, in contrast to Toy Story, a little documentary you, you might have heard of called Beyond the Mat. Ooh. Uh, now available on Netflix. First time I've probably seen it in, since it came out. Really, I might have watched it a few times in sort of two thousand two thousand one, but uh, not for a long time. That doesn't really hold up either. If, uh, if being honest, um, it has a really cheesy kind of wraparound with with the director going, well, "I grew up watching wrestling and <laughs> yeah. body, body slams and men and blah, blah, blah. 
and um yeah then he gets into the the documentary and it is it's still pretty compelling uh the stories of at least the kind of i think more mick foley and, and jake roberts the terry funk story it doesn't really get under the skin that much kind of just shows his you know his retirement and the you know kind of what it's like to be a wrestler that went past past your sell by date um, I think also if you if you rewind to the late nineties, that kind of documentary hadn't been done. Like we hadn't seen anything like that in terms of the behind the scenes footage, um, in terms of kind of seeing what goes on backstage at a WWE event and seeing that really kind of raw um portrayal. Whereas since then, even you know, on the WWE network, you get a lot of documentaries that aren't they're not warts and all, but they do share a lot of the kind of behind the scenes stuff and you know shoot interviews and that kind of thing so not as not as shocking as it as it was at the time um well also still very fun seeing vince kind of candid you know in his office with um with draws you know making him puke god he's god he's a maniac (laughs) he was he was mad then and he was only 50 yeah jesus christ um yeah but still still fun to to revisit even if it's feels quite quite quaint uh, years yeah i i also rewatched it because they popped it up on the old netflix i i have to say i loved it i i, I still think it's my my fit but also it, it is definitely this type of thing has now been done a million times it's kind of is the other the other weird thing about this um but i still think this is my my favorite and also i think it's just because of just some of the weird vince stuff it's just it's a great it's a great primary source of him just being batshit you know what i mean um uh this is actually a great one I, again i was watching this with with the girlfriend and she was fascinated by this movie i mean just just really she seemed to really enjoy it and i felt so bad because she was like um from like the or from the earliest scenes she was talking about how much she liked Mick, Mick foley and he seemed like such a nice normal person and then when they were coming up to the the rumble 99 scene she was like oh why is it why does it feel like there's a a sense of, of foreboding and i was like oh i i don't know i had already confirmed from her earlier the film that he did not die um because that was one of her early questions i was like but he's alive i can, I can give you that much um yeah the jake stuff is still ugh, still uh pretty intense i forgot that they interviewed the dad after all the shit jake said about him but yeah yeah uh, any other films Nothing for you, Paul? Nothing for me. Uh, yes, I watched Beyond the Mat. I uh, watched Shaun of the Dead. Uh, which, you know, the score with Shaun of the Dead. Come on. It's a classic. It's, a, it's good. One of the... One of, one of the... One of the should, should be in your rotation every year um, uh, for the old uh, uh, Halloween season. And then, uh, uh, just to throw something on that did not require uh, any attention, I watched trick last night which is i don't know if it's if it was a straight to netflix film but it certainly felt like one uh it stars uh omar epps the rapper who i think is also a tv actor now mm. and uh jamie kennedy um uh, and it came out last year as well so this is a 2019 jamie kennedy joint um what is right, I, I i watched the wrong missy this year and I'm going to say, why did you watch that? 
<laughs> well, because it's like, uh, I was I was not feeling well, and I was like, let's put on a scary movie, but like not a good one. I don't want to, I'm not wasting my annual, you know, Blair Witch rewatch when I'm sitting here holding my tummy in pain. I, 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 there has to be, put up, we'll put on some shite, you know. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. um, so I put this thing on, and it was like, you know, it was directed by, by uh, Patrick Lucier, who hasn't, directed very many good films but he like was involved in like he was a uh, you know producer and editor on scream and stuff like that like he's he's been around for years in horror and it's kind of like this might be all right fucking hell it was terrible i mean it was so so basically it's about this uh this killer who comes back every halloween uh and it's insanely obvious uh, from the beginning and i'll just say it here because i'm obviously not recommending anyone watch this uh, he he like uh, he, he kills a bunch of people on this one Halloween, uh, and he he tries to escape from the hospital after he gets caught. And he's shot a lot. He falls out a window, and they look out the window. And his body's gone. And I I believe I turned immediately. and said, "This it's going to be multiple people." And it turns out to be multiple people. He comes back every year, kills a bunch of people. There's a bunch of stupid scenes where he where he's you know moving around in a in a manner that makes it really obvious that this is not one person. Um, and it was just, it was crap. It was just so crap. And it was so long. It was like 110 minutes. And I was like, this, this should have been one of those movies that, you know, if you're just farting it out, just make it 80 minutes. You know what I mean? Let's, let's, let's get to the, the chase here. But, uh, yeah, terrible. That's your, your, you know, that is your, your churned out on the old streaming service horror movie crap. Um, but yeah, uh, Shaun of the Dead's good though. And that's on Amazon. So you can watch that now. Uh, speaking of streaming horror. Mm-hmm. Are we all looking forward to the haunting of Bly Manor, uh, the sequel to Haunting of Hill House? Yes, which is released in four days. On oh, is it that soon? I didn't. Ninth uh, of October. Excellent, Mexico. excellent. I love that. I love that for a season. Um, God bless them. Uh, so yeah, is that uh, that's all the um, the uh, the films here? We jump into our emails because um, I have an email here I have to read from the uh, one and only Scott the boy McAvoy he says I have a work question for all three of you how many hours do you work each week I ask because since March I've averaged about 65 hours a week and I'm really getting jealous of hearing about all the movies you're really getting jealous of hearing about all the movies TV and video games you three consume I'm lucky if I have an hour or two to clean my house each week wow Scott that's that sounds harsh. Uh, I uh, strictly thirty nine from what Monday to Friday, uh, thirty nine. That's me. Uh, same, same here. Ooh, well, I'm uh, officially forty. Mm. But how much do I actually work? <laughs> well, let's give that one a secret. <laughs> um, I will say. The the the, the uh, amount of media that we do consume is uh, you know in part due to the fact that we um, we work forty hour weeks let's say mm. but also uh, no no none of them shitty kids being around makes it very easy to yeah to kind of move you away play a video game yeah it's like you know our, my my commitments are like clean the place feed self um. Pay attention to the woman, um, you know those those things. But yeah, we we do have less commitments and all that. Also, as much as I kind of uh, grouse about it, it's probably for the best that I, I don't have a pet to look after in this apartment building. 
because uh, those are hard work as well, you know. Um, also, the uh, the work from home gimmick. Uh, the, the good thing about that is, uh, you know, I save about two hours a day that I would be wasting sitting on a bus. Um, yeah. So, so since 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 the the whole COVID gimmick came about, I have eight more hours to myself each week, which is genuinely yeah. great. I mean, that is uh, I miss the office and I miss the, the human interaction, but having eight more hours of me time, uh, basically a work day uh, to myself, where where I'm not sitting in rush hour traffic crammed in like a sardine tin mm. um i do appreciate all of that so yeah and i get the, yeah, i had yeah. i had in my words the three hour daily commute um that i would be standing a lot for yeah so those, those are some valuable uh you know tv watching times and all that um plus you know i, I get the podcast listened during uh, the work day uh, I, I i don't watch uh, tv or movies during the work day but yeah you know stick a little dynamite on in the background you know just to have it on you know just to get it watched um yeah so um sorry about that scott hopefully you can you can uh, get some you time soon to uh uh play mario 35 but then you know there's other things like the company I work for and the job that I do, um, often you know there's not there's not o- optional overtime or anything like that that I could do, mm. um, so that that's something to look out as well. Yeah, the, yeah, ours are kind of the same. We we like have to get permission, not even get permission. We we simply cannot do overtime. Um, um, you know, if if we wanted to. Um, I um I did book my Christmas holidays just today though. Oh, yeah. So I got a full week ski off. Whereas last week I had to work over Christmas, uh, or last year. Um, this year, no, I get the whole week of Christmas off. So I'm looking forward to that. Lovely. Uh, I don't think ours have been cemented yet, but uh, hoping to get an update on that soon. Follow up question here from Scott. He says, "I'm curious about underrated wrestlers that you enjoyed watching." Personally, watching a Dean Malenko, Jerry Lynn, or even a Perry Saturn match are always entertaining. Heck, I could watch the RVD versus Jerry Lynn matches from ECW at any time. Are there any wrestlers that seem to be underrated or at least underappreciated that you really enjoy? Have a good week, Scott. Uh, I think Dean Malenko is kind of a solid pick because I don't ever think of him in a way. I do kind of think of him as the boring guy from the Radicals, but like, I, I know that's wrong. Do you know what I mean? And anytime I go back and watch his stuff from his peak, like in, in WCW, uh, specifically, like those those uh, pay per view matches are, are are incredible, and even as you know, even when you get limited time on TV, like he was he was awesome. Um, uh, and also, I love those Jerry Lynn matches. The RBD Jerry Lynn matches uh, are, are are fantastic, and they probably still hold up um, uh, as well. So I think I think those are all solid picks. Uh, any any names jump out at you, lads? Underrated. Marty Jannetty. Oh, said it. Um, but, but now that he's murdered all those people, we can't. Really yeah, his body counts too high now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I was a very very big Christian fan for a few years. Um, like two thousand four five. Um, Christian was like the reason I watched Raw. Mm. Um, I would say earlier. Then that I was really really liked Ken Shamrock. Hmm. In DWF, he did a, a, like a running Hurricane Rana that you don't <laughs> see anymore. Um, that's about it. Okay, The Rock was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Austin, Kurt Angle. Now, I think Shamrock and Christian are my two guys. I remember when I uh, used to play with the old wrestling figures, uh, I used to have Ken Shamrock be my world champion because I was a big Ken Shamrock guy. Hmm. Uh, that's my, that is my mail from Scott. Thank you, Scott, as always, for the email. I have one as well. Uh, new console releases and a pick one. He says, good evening, Paul. I was looking at the new consoles and he came to the conclusion that I don't think I'm getting either one. Um, I have an Xbox One X. And I've turned it on. I'm sorry. I th- I'm. I keep getting confused between Xbox One X and Xbox Series X. Yeah, it's not great. It, it is not great the way they done ah, it. Branding Microsoft. I have an Xbox One X, which is the old one, mm. and I've turned it on twice this year. Jeez. Well, as yeah, as we discussed, <laughs> I bought a new PC last year, mm. and find myself more interested in games that are released there than I am. Uh, the consoles. Hmm. So, in essence, Scott, you have bought a console last year, PC. <laughs> um, although you know, PC not a console per se, but a gaming system. Let's say mm. uh, with Game Pass on the PC and new Amazon streaming service. What's the Amazon streaming service? That's oh, that's their um, yeah, you media one, isn't it? Una is that what it's called? No. <laughs> I, I, I know which one he's talking about. Oh, what's Whatever. it called? It has some stupid name. They all have stupid names. Oh, it looks stupid anyway. <laughs> uh, I think I might be done with consoles. I'm going... Uh, okay, well, first of all, to that point, I think me and Barry were pretty low-key on our... Although Barry ended up buying an Xbox then. But um, low-key on our need for like a PlayStation or... like With Xbox, I appreciate that the Game Pass is kind of the draw. Mm-hmm. And while if you have recently bought a, a good PC, sure, you can play the games on there as well. So it's kind of a, an either or. Um, I have, I'm i just someone who's never enjoyed a desktop PC. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like being locked into one place. I appreciate that you can connect it to a big screen these days and get a comfy gaming chair. Um, but I, I just never like that sensation i like hooking a console up to a tv and away i go you know just the simplicity of it but i agree like i i bought a ps4 pro last year mm. i don't need a ps5 yeah. especially that all the games are coming to ps4 well yeah yeah i i yeah i i don't think i don't think there's a massive uh incentive to get like i said i my, my kind of thing was kind of like uh, I, I i got the cheap xbox um because I, I i'm already in on the game pass service so i'm like hey why not i'll get i'll get a console to to do that on um uh, for well that's the thing that's the thing is if you don't already have a pc a compatible pc the console is just the cheaper option yeah um so 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 but if, it, if, if they didn't put out that cheaper version or or even if or even if they put out I think it's just they hit that perfect price point. If that was four hundred, like the cheaper PS Five, like all right, I'm not getting either. You know, I, I, uh, yeah. I just does not. It like these things rarely are must have at launch. These two in particular 
are really there not must have at launch. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad I got one. I'm looking forward to getting it, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not going to be this, this incredible day one experience. Um, and you know, it's Scott said in his previous mail, if he doesn't have a whole lot of time to be playing games, I mean, it, that, that is, I mean, that's, I think that I would think that is just, uh, that is not worth the, the, uh, the money. No. Even if you got a cheap one, it's not worth getting one. I mean, like, you know, um, it's going to have two very similar machines that you don't have time to play with. I think. I think these. I think these streaming services might actually be, uh, especially this new Amazon one. This Amazon one seems a little smarter than the the, the Google one. It seems like they it, they haven't gotten into the reads on the details, but it does seem like they're leaning more into the subscription model, um, right. as opposed to the Google thing, which is just the absolutely bonkers mindset of paying for the games full price again. Uh, for a streamed version, you know, and if the servers go offline tomorrow, it's it's tough shit, you know. Um, yeah. uh, whereas this seems like it's going to be like five quid to get into the service, and then it looks like it's going to be you pay a fee to subscribe to Ubisoft, as an example, and you play their library of games. Do you know what I mean? Um, that seems like it. It's it might be up the alley of someone like a Scott who has limited time. It's like all right, I'll pay a couple of bucks and I can just jump into whatever this Far Cry game is on this service and it doesn't, and it doesn't require uh, a commitment, you know, um, uh, to, I'm going to buy this 500 quid box and this 60 quid game or fucking 70 quid game now. Um, uh, uh, you know, so yeah, maybe Scott could be our guinea pig on these streaming things. Cause I'm, I'm not sold on any of them just yet. I think one barrier that doesn't exist anymore as well between, um consoles and pc which again is maybe something that turned me off pc in addition to all my other uh, gripes is um that the the console controllers are compatible now with pc so you can just connect your ps4 controller to a, a laptop or a desktop and use that to play games whereas i think there was a bit more of a divide in the past between um you know, console dedicated controllers versus uh, keyboard and mouse, which I I can just I cannot play games keyboard and mouse. I I don't have the experience. I can't do it. Um, or like third party controllers that never oh, felt yeah. right to me. Yeah. So that was also something that turned me off PC gaming. Although I appreciate now it's much easier to play games on PC with controller you're already familiar with. So PC gaming for someone like me is more of an option but for me there's still the price point um i don't really i don't really use pcs much at all anymore the laptop that we have um i basically only use for recording the podcast <laughs> that's the only thing i use it for anymore um so i i'm very out of the pc bubble whereas and that's maybe where consoles fit in Ooh. more in my life whereas if you use a pc a lot uh and it's going to if powerful enough to play modern games and it's like i said your central uh use device anyway why not just play the games on that that makes sense yeah um scott goes on uh with another wrestling pick one mm. uh, but with an asterisk mm. uh, there's really not really an asterisk i'm just putting the asterisks in uh, for this one only consider their singles career no tag matches interesting interesting okay All right you have Edge, who I don't like. Mm. You have RVD, who I don't like, and you have Eddie Guerrero, who's pretty good. So I'm going to go Eddie. I'm going to go Eddie Guerrero. I, I, I think I think Eddie Guerrero is an easy pick on that one. Who was the first one? Edge. 
Oh, edges are right me. Um, no tag matches. All edges' best matches are is he's like had about three good singles matches. Even yeah. if even if you could include the tag matches, I'd take Eddie in a bad piece. No pun intended. <laughs> well, Eddie, um, even as a tag wrestler, had some damn good. Like there was that one ladder match um, mm. with Team Angle was really good. Um, yeah, I think for me, it's got to be Eddie. Like I. To put my own asterisk on it, I never saw much of RVD in ECW, so I was only ever familiar with WWE mm-hmm. RVD. Yeah, uh, a sloppy, kind of boring wrestler. Um, Edge, I've always thought has been overrated, as I've said previously on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero was Eddie Guerrero was pretty bloody good. Latino <laughs> three three for three. Eddie, Eddie, well, Eddie it is El Paso native. Yeah. That's my email. I got a little email as well from Scott. He says, <clears throat> subject, childhood dreams. Good evening, Joe. Ooh. When I was young and people would ask what I wanted to be when I grew up, my answer was almost always that I wanted to be a stockbroker. Ooh. Mm-hmm. The only sport I was ever good at was baseball, and I never wanted to practice enough to be on a team. What career dreams did you and the lads have when you were growing up? Um. Well, I... I always wanted to be a footballer, but obviously I was always shit at it, so I was never going to be a footballer because I wanted to be one. I never really dreamt about it because it was never going to happen. But that would have been, you know, if I could have picked a career, I probably would have been a footballer. Um, I briefly thought about becoming a journalist, but then decided that sounded shit. Yeah. Uh, and then I just gave up on having dreams, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, well, I wanted to. No, I wanted to be a scriptwriter. I wanted to work in TV and film. That wasn't when I was a kid, though. That was a little bit older. But um, yeah, then I decided. Well, I'll just get a regular job, and then work till you die. Best way in it. So, how about you, lads? Any dreams ever? Uh, wanted to be a cartoonist when I was younger. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I took a few art classes. You know, I just, that was—I was to be fair. I was, you know, that was much younger, so I don't feel so bad about giving that up. That was—that was a childhood dream. Not really much else after that. Before I—before I went to college, I toyed with the idea of going to college to become a lawyer. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, that would have been imagine, imagine um, uh, imagine me that. defending you. Walks into court after vomiting a blood vessel. The defense would like to point out this man's <laughs> eye is extremely red. <laughs> your, your Honor, motion to strike. I've been <laughs> shitting all afternoon. This is not relevant. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I, I did a, I did a, a, a week's work experience in an office where I got a sense of what it involved, and I say, "Who, baby? Too much work for me, baby. Ooh, no, thank you." Yeah, so that was me. Um, no, I mean, I, I have a dream that I'm currently working towards, which is to be a homeowner. Um, but no, I mean, I've I I fell kind of into a job that doesn't doesn't stress me too much that I'm quite good at. Um yeah. admittedly I could probably earn a bit more money and potentially when the world goes a bit back to normal I'll I'll probably start looking for something else. But um you know I I, I appreciate a good balance between I don't know this wasn't the question, but <laughs> a good balance between um something that doesn't kill you and uh <laughs> and that lets you 
lets you live your, your life you know that's that that's kind of for me the perfect and that's the dream after all isn't it that's that's the dream um scott goes on to ask uh here's a pick one if you want an all expenses paid trip Ooh. to any of the following places which would you choose Although keep in mind, oh my god, he's like the bloody dungeon keeper here. So like, no trick. <laughs> no trick. Keep in mind, that means you can never visit the other ones. It's like a difficult Twilight Zone monkey paw. Um so he, the three countries are Japan, Australia, and Mexico. Mm. So Mm. That's tricky. And I'll be honest. Like, first of all, I'll go. I'll throw out Australia because, to be honest, it just sounds like England, but hot and with <laughs> an, with animals that kill you. All right. Yeah. I don't need that. Yeah. I can, also, too far away. And it's like, oh god, it's long crazy. plane trip. Ugh. My, oh god, can we bothered going that far. So I rule out Australia. Full of bogans. Full of bloody bogans. Um. Thing is, it's an interesting one because Mexico, obviously, Michelle's family is from Mexico, and whenever she's back there, they'll pop over the border to visit Mexico. Yeah. So, if we were to go to Mexico, that means I could never go there. And then the other one, Japan, we ha- we did really want to do a trip to Japan because Michelle wants to go to Disney Sea, um, yeah. which is apparently the best Disney theme park or best theme park in the world. And lots of other cool stuff to see in Japan, you know, Wrestle Kingdom and all that, and New Japan maybe, and all the other weird shit they got over there. Um, yeah, so I think I would pro- I would go for Japan if it wasn't for the the Mexico Mexico connection, the Mexico connection. Um, that'd be a good one for Michelle actually. Michelle, when you hear this, email in. What would you <laughs> pick, Japan or Mexico? Where do you want to go? Um, I I was until the COVID happened. I was supposed to be going to Japan in January for um, I was planning to go for the old Wrestle Kingdom, um, but that went tits up. Uh, so that's good. Uh, yeah, I I would I'd probably think Japan. I I would like to go to the other two, but I think I could live without it. Um, whereas with Japan, I I would really love to go. Yeah, yeah, Natty would love to go to Japan. Um. I definitely, although I'm by no means an otaku, um, I definitely have, like things from Japan. Um, Mexico, I saw Sicario. You're not tricking me into going to Mexico. <laughs> um, I hope, sure. I hope I get this show down there. You you won't be welcome after that one. No, I'll be I'll be ha- hanging from the bridge like those bad boys in that movie. Um, bad boys too. Bad Boys 2, Revenge of Khan. Um, yeah, I would quite like to go to Japan. Uh, my fear, though, and Barry, this might be something that would be a problem for you as well. If I go to Japan, I'm just going to be eating McDonald's for every meal. Uh, no, I, I, would, I would take a risk. I would. I would. I would. No, I'm not having an octopus. Uh, yeah, I would, draw, I would draw the line path. But you know, you know, they do have other things. They do like I know, the best pizza in the world, the steaks, the katsu chicken. Yeah, the yeah, katsu chicken. Like, oh, their barbecue over there. It's the real deal. Yeah, no, you, we, you, 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 you would, you would find stuff you would enjoy over there. It's not. I know. No, I know the experience would be amazing, um, but there would be one moment every four hours of me going plain burger. Ooh, no, it's not just oh, fugu, oh, poison, poison, tasty fish. It's not just that. 
Um, and that's the emails. Very good. We need to do our Simpsons bracket quickly. All right. We are going long, but it's what the world's waiting for. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We can just cut the wrestling talk. I don't give a yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say is we are we're in the round now between round one where we initially talk about every episode and the quarterfinals where I said I'm going to give you details about each episode. This is kind of the, the middle round. Okay. The last 16, right? Okay. So we have eight matchups, and that, that's going to take us into our quarterfinals, which we'll, uh, we'll do next week. Um, so we'll start off with uh, you only move twice from season eight, which again is the, uh, the Hank Scorpio episode, yeah. that great uh, guest voice. Um, and then you have the way we was season two, the first of the flashback episodes. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. So where do we say? I know um, Joe. Last time you said that you're not huge. You're not huge on you only move twice. Nah, it's a bit too kind of silly for me. I don't right. like those, those later episodes where it gets a bit too kind of wacky. But I like I like that one. I do like that one. But it's not 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 one of my not top one. For yeah, you. not top one for me. Um, I would probably go for for the other one. Um, the, way we we was. the way we was, yeah. I, I like the sappy ones. Neither no, very sappy. Yeah. Ones. Um. Uh, both great. I I would actually have to go for you only move twice. I, I'm just way more way more into that than the way we was. It's a, it's a lovely episode, but I, I I prefer I prefer the old the Scorpio. Ooh. So the the the, the choice rests on my big fat shoulders. Um, <laughs> I, although it's a very, very tough pick, I think, um, I think that while it, while it is wacky, I really like the Bond villain plot of You Only Move Twice. What starts as a quite inconspicuous Homer gets a new job story turns into something way out of left field and works in a way that that kind of plot really wouldn't in later seasons. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for you only move twice. Unfortunately, for the way we was, which I agree, I am a sucker as well for a uh, a sappy episode. Yeah. But um, this time, it, it unfortunately, came up against a very good episode. Um, then we have Homer goes to college, oh. season five, oh. written by Conan O'Brien, mm. versus also written by Conan O'Brien. Season four's Marge versus oh! Oh. It's a Conan O'Brien Smackdown oh. spectacular. Oh. Oh. These, this, oh. this is probably two of my top five. Oh. This is Conan O'Brien was a very good Simpsons writer. He was indeed. Hello, Dean. You are a stupid head. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. Oh God! And that episode has the 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 best itchy and scratchy episode ever. All the they'll never let us show that again. That old that old bit is great. Um. Ah. Oh. See, so yeah, yeah. I think as I said the last time we talked about this, I I'm I'm sort of the low man on the monorail. So I, I this is probably controversial, but I'm I'm gonna go for Homer goes to college on this one. 
Um, well, I have to go March versus the Monorail because that's my favorite favorite episode of all time. Mm, right. mm. So, cool. so once again, comes down to <laughs> I am first of all a huge Conan Bryan fan. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah, love, love, love Conan. The question for me here, though, is as good as it is, is Marge versus the Monorail one of those one of those episodes that's been kind of overdone at this stage? <laughs> um, the answer is no. Yeah! But it almost is. It almost is. Um, In the sense of when you hear a song too much that you like originally and then you get a bit sick of, luckily Marriage vs. Monorail has has, has too many moments in it that are are all-time classic. Uh, It's not Batman. Um, Leonard Nimoy shown up for no reason. Yeah. Um, I call the big one bitey. (laughs) Um, Donuts. Donuts, is there nothing they can't do? Um, one yeah. equals one, rail equals rail. <laughs> oh my god. Boy, I put them on the map. Uh, right. We then have season seven, Lisa the Vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Season six, Homer Batman. Oh. Hmm. I'll say Homer Badman, the start of it, where they go to the um, candy convention. Yeah. That has a little bit of a, a later Simpsons feel to it. Yes, yeah. It, it very quickly goes in classic Simpsons direction. Yeah. Um, Lisa the Vegetarian also, when, when they go to the, the lamb farm. Like, one of the episodes, um, and I think this is like the classic example. It's an episode, I can't remember which episode it is, but it's one I've watched recently. Is when they go to the um, cider. Yes, yeah, I know, I know the one. Yeah, foliage. Classic. Yeah, foil. Yeah, foliage. That's the classic. um, That start of that episode is like season fifteen Simpsons, and then it go. Then it gets good. But so some of these episodes, even from like season six, seven, start with like an annoyingly pointless three minutes. Homer Badman has a little bit of that, but Homer Badman and Lisa Vegetarian, I think both get very strong. Yeah. Yeah, the, the candy convention stuff isn't been funny. Um, uh, the, the, oh, come on. Uh, the guy with the fake hair. Even hell, candy. Imagine <laughs> uh, the big coat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to put some celery, uh, some sugar on that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah. Um, I uh, I won't go first this time because I put Paul in the awkward position twice now. So yeah. I won't. I'll, I'll go. I'll go first this time. I'll say that Lisa the vegetarian does have the handicap of being a Lisa episode, mm. um, and I love. I do love the bit where they shoo the the one lamb out of the way for the cuter lamb. Mm-hmm. Out of the way, you. But um, I think the second half of Lisa the vegetarian with the the barbecue. Like, even though the the barbecue invite is funny, the actual barbecue bit gets a, gets a little boring from there. Uh, I'll go Homer Batman. Hmm. Sorry, off to you. Um, oh, I'm, I'm gonna get uh, Joe. I'm gonna take take it out of your hands, and I'd have to go Homer Batman as well. 
Oh, I was also going to go for Homer Badman. So, oh, okay. So, yeah. Three, three for three. Okay. So, Homer Badman goes through. Now, if you are a sucker for a smaltzy ending, if you're a sucker for some saccharine, heartfelt stuff, specifically at the end of episodes, season four, Duffless, season two, Lisa's Substitute. <laughs> Hmm. Hmm. I I feel like Lisa substitutes a little too saccharine for me. Oh, I think that Lisa's substitute is 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 more the right kind of saccharine for me. In that the the you are Lisa Simpson almost brings a little eye infection to the old. <laughs> I, I I always thought that was kind of lame. It's I've appreciated it more with age, and I think it's a great performance. Um, by, by Hoffman, yeah, if, if a fantastic uh, uh, and so so it's such a distinctive voice as well. I can I, I they never brought him back, did they? That character, no, um, no. I think he's referenced a couple of times, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've appreciated it more with age, but yeah, I, I think it's a it's a little too um, yeah, it's a little too dry for me. I think I, I, I yeah, I have to... a little too dry. So you're going for the episode where Homer doesn't drink? Hey-o. Has a dry month. <laughs> yeah, I go for, I, I go for the Duffless. Right, I think I need to go Lisa substitute because I think although it it, it doesn't quite reach you know Derek levels of isn't this sad. Um, I think they do a good job, especially that season two. It's that early, setting Lisa up as a bit of a loner, uh, with someone who she doesn't have any, um, like her parents. She can't look up to them in the way that she wants to develop and she wants to be. And so mm-hmm. suddenly she has a substitute teacher who's everything she wants in a role model in an adult, and then like just as she's getting really used to them they disappear from her life again and he gives her the the message says look you are what you need to be already you know i think i think that's a really really nice arc um and while the end of duffless i i absolutely adore um the rest of the episode i'm not as hot on so i'm gonna split the vote and go lisa substitute and leave it to joe um i'm gonna go for lisa substitute um Mm. Because I just don't think Duffless is that good. Okay. It's not one of my favorites. I, I don't like the whole kind of subplot with the, what is it, the guinea pig or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I don't love Duffless, to be fair. I don't love Duffless either. Yeah. It's one of the weaker last 16. Yeah. Mm. Okay. We then have season five's Boy Scouts in the Hood. Lovely, yeah. Super squishy. Against. Season six, a star is Burns. Oh, um, see, I, now what I've said about marriage versus the monorail, are, have we as a podcast overdone a star is Burns at this stage? <laughs> <laughs> are we ruining a star is Burns for ourselves? Um, nah, 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 it's great, it's great. What I love about a star is Burns, not to join on about it even, even more endlessly, is that it's not a really well-regarded episode of The Simpsons. No. We like it for some reason. Yeah. Like, it has so many greatest hits in it. 
and yet it, it you know in, in definitely in some circles it's seen as um because a crossover episode like a lazy crossover um but i i never saw it as a crossover i've only ever watched it as an episode of simpsons because i never saw the critic i was never even aware of the critic when i was a kid he was just he was just john lovett's yeah guest star yeah thing, yeah you know? um God, it's so funny that episode. I absolutely love it. Hmm. Um, Boy Scouts in the Hood, I do really enjoy as well. Um, especially the beginning with the New York is that away. Thanks, kid. And their little song and Barney or Bart waking up. Uh, Barney does show up in the song. I don't know where you magic pixies came from. Um, Bart waking up in the junior campers and go and learn how to use the knife. Don't do what Donnie don't does. Mm. All that stuff. All that stuff is very good. It's a very solid episode. I don't think it's an exceptional episode, though. And I think Stars Burns is one of those, uh, no pun intended, where all the stars align and you just have joke after joke, which are still used today in memes every day. It's got like 10 of those in one episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Um, Hmm. But he was so so so, he, so Paul Paul you're going to Stars Burns, obviously. I mean, come on. Yeah. I'm gonna go Boy Scouts in the Hood. Ah, <laughs> bastards! You're fired from the podcast. <laughs> oh. All right, let me write that down. Vote against Marge for the monorail next time. Yeah, the knives the knives are coming out now. Um <laughs> Yeah. Don't thank me. Thank the knife. Um, <laughs> you call that a knife? <laughs> this falls over. Um, uh, when Bumblebee Man says, Excellent, and Senior Spavergos is muy bueno. <laughs> oh, it has to be a Star is Burns. It has to be a Star is Burns. It has to be. Okay. Star is Burns scrapes through the last 16. Uh, we then go to our third to last matchup. King Size Homer, Season 7. Oh. Bart of Darkness, Season 6. Hmm. I think these, these episodes are kind of, to me, on the same level. Yes, um, yeah. I really like the kind of uh, the movie reference that Bar of Darkness in its entirety is. Mm. Um, and I like how they do. I think it's a really clever send up of Rear Window and the various other movies that have kind of spawned from Rear Window. Um, whereas, but then I think King Cyrus Homer is, is at its core a funnier episode. Oh. Um, but then is Homer gets really fat it's too simple uh no like <laughs> no, I, I think it kind of is um I like with Bart of Darkness I, I I kind of appreciate more when it's a clever reference or a clever story yeah or, like with Lisa substitute like a meaningful story or something Homer gets real fat and that's the plot and then at the end he, he your your butt stopped gas for once <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's like, yeah, that's a bad that's a bad stinger to end on. I don't like that. 
No, but the rest, yeah. I, I, the, the rest of the episode is incredible. But but um, yeah, Bart, I mean they're they are both uh, they're both great. Um, uh, I love as well. I love it in Bard of Darkness the 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 classic crusty bits. <laughs> I wouldn't. Whoa, man. <laughs> well, it depends on what you mean by crisis. <laughs> um, <laughs> tremendous. I, I love that. I do love that bit. Uh, oh, God, it's tough. Um, I'm, I'm going to go Bar of Darkness. Um, just because I love the, the bees. Well, it's not even a bee story, but the swimming pool. It's just so good. And the way it ties together with Bart having to stay indoors the whole summer. And it's a great summer episode. Um, and it's I think it's maybe almost as funny as for me as uh, King Size Homer. Yeah. Yo, tis a fine barn, but sure, tis no pool English. do <laughs> Um Ah. Uh, hmm. This neck and neck, like I, I, could, I would. Oh, they're both great. I, I have to, I have to go king size over. I have to. Okay. I so don't to case. <laughs> once again, it falls um, to me. What, uh, what I'm going to say is the episodes are as, as I said at the very beginning, so close in quality. I'm going to mark it simply on, as I said, the, I th- I think the end of King Size Homer is a bit of a fart. Yeah, literally. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go Bar of Darkness, basically. I think it's yeah. it doesn't um, miss the ending. I, I like um, Nelson, or, um, Nelson ripping off Martin's pants and he sings <laughs> yeah. in the wind. Um, yeah, they're both winners, folks. They're both winners, but Bar of Darkness is the actual winners. winner. Right. Uh, we then have season six, Homer the Great, which is the Stonecutters episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I forget. Uh, season five's the last temptation of Homer. Mm-hmm. Um, last temptation. I'm I'm going to be voting the Stonecutters episode. So let me talk up the other one for a while. <laughs> um, I think Last Temptation of Homer is is an underrated episode. Yeah. Um. I do like the Mindy storyline and how it's resolved. Um, Homer the Great is probably a top five for me, though. I've always loved the Stonecutter episode for some reason. The Stonecutters is great. I think um, The Last Temptation has the B B story with Bart becoming a nerd and all of that. And it's a bit, again, again, quite like the main story, but the, the, the secondary story lets it down. Whereas Stonecutters is just. Boom, it's got everything. It's great. Funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it has to be Homer the Great. I I, I, don't, I don't I don't love great, the uh, Great uh, guest spot as well is um Patrick Stewart as the leader of the Stonecutters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, great, great. Uh, and that takes to our final one of the week. Taking us into our quarterfinals is Deep Space Homer season five. Versus Homer's Phobia Season 8. And I'll go first so you sons bitches can't get me stuck at the end again. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to vote D-Space, however, only because I think Homer's Phobia, while funny, 
has a little tiny bit of a new Simpsons stink yeah. to it. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I but I um I don't know that Deep Space Homer doesn't though. It's a That's it's, true. It's, it's, it's a point going to space, you know what I mean? I mean it's it's very the, the like Homer's phobia is kind of like it's it's leaning very heavily on its guest appearance. Uh, um uh whereas whereas Deep Space Homer it has those but it's not leaning on them as heavily but it's it's just a little more uh over the top as a story. Mm. Um but I definitely I I would agree with you yeah that Homer's phobia certainly has more of that. Yeah. Oh. So which one did you, you say which one did you say you're going for? Deep Space Homer. You go for Deep Space Homer, okay. Uh, what are you thinking, Joe? I'm also going to go for Deep Space Homer. Um, Dang. The, the concept is kind of, it seems wacky, Homer in space, but actually the way they do it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's no wackier than any of that, the other kind of episodes from that era. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I would, I would have gone Homer's phobia, but nothing wrong with, with Deep Space Homer. It's a, a, a great episode. There we go. That's it for this week. Uh, I'm not going to do a little run through where I tell you again no, what's no, no, made no, no. through. You just got to wait for next week. Yeah, we we we, we, we will uh, we will uh, do a deep dive next week on that. Speaking of deep dives, as the show has gone quite long, should we should we hold on to the WrestleGuff for another week? And uh, Paul, if you want to give us uh, some 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 uh, bullet points next week, give us a rundown of where you are on the old G War and what are you liking, what are you not liking. Who are you liking? Um, COVID era New I'm Japan. Liking, I'm liking Minoru Suzuki and Toriano. Well, that's good. That, okay, we won't do that next week then. Um, <laughs> the end. It's been a good G1. It's been a good G1. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll talk about it. And uh, Twitch, WWE, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, why would you work for them? Why would you work for WWE anymore? Aren't WWE now at a point where, okay. Let's say your your uh, your wrestlers who were starting in in like the twenty ten, let's say, were kids who were maybe like watching during the Attitude Era, right? Your people who are joining WWE now, the younger ones, probably were starting wrestling like watching wrestling like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. What's the attraction to go to WWE anymore? That was at a time where fans already hated WWE. Yeah. Uh... I don't get it. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, it just seems farcical. And like, especially with there's all this talk, like so not only of them getting the money, but like now they now they, they want to make it mandatory for people to stream. Uh oh my god. Uh, just psychotic. But anyway, we'll leave we'll we'll put it we'll, we'll leave that for this week. So so next week, right, check back in. We'll have more game guff. Uh we'll probably have more spooky movies and whatnot to chit chat about. Uh we will chat to Paul about the G one. And most importantly, we will have the quarterfinals of Quit That Infernal Bracket as we once and for all get ready to decide the greatest Simpsons episodes. Uh, so, with all that said, if you want to pop us an email such as Scott did this week, you can go to chairshoppodcast.com. You can also follow us at chairshoppod on Twitter as well if you want to reach out. So, until next week, lads, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Paul Griffin. 
Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Mr. Joe Towner. Goodbye. <laughs>